Welcome back to Meet You at the Bottom, a conversation podcast where we get to the bottom of topics at the top of mind with the drink in hand, of course. I'm your host, Abhinav Pramamdam, and as always, thank you for tuning in. With Juneteenth just days away, 48 hours to be exact, I thought it might make sense to delve into the newly named federal holiday, as well as have a broader discussion on the ongoing social justice reform movement. For this conversation, there is no one better that came to mind other than Ron Lewis to join me on the podcast to have this conversation. He brought his favorite tall boy of his favorite beer, Stella, and we had an engaging and thought-provoking discussion. It was pretty awesome to have the conversation earlier this week. We had it on Monday, and, and today is Thursday the 17th when Congress passed a bipartisan, really large bipartisan bill uh, naming Juneteenth as a federal holiday, and President Biden signed it into law today. And honestly, my mom works for the state of Illinois, and she just texted me and said that they get tomorrow off, Friday the 18th, because of the federal holiday. Um, so it's very timely and very important for us to recognize uh, this holiday. And so not only do we spend time on Juneteenth and the social justice movement, but we also spent some time on Ron's personal background. He was one of few black kids growing up in Westchester, Chicago, studied finance at U of I, but actually ended up going into Teach for America in St. Louis and look up the Del Mar Divide. And we'll talk about it a little bit. That's where he was around. And after that, he co-founded a real estate company in Chicago that does demolition of homes um, you know, across the city. And the unique aspect of this company is he hires uh, an employee base of at-risk youth or, and or formerly incarcerated men. And last but not least, we touched on Ron's own podcast called The Wood, which is focused on black men's conversations on all their relationships from high school to currently uh, in the 20s, 30s, marriage, and, and beyond. So I highly recommend listening to an episode or two. And in this conversation, is sticking to the theme in the, of the last few ones of trying to have more conversations out of our comfort zone to continue gaining perspective, to continue learning more, and continue sharing and creating uh, such as Ron is doing, uh, you know, vis-a-vis his podcast as well as his company. So without further ado, grab your favorite tall boy, maybe it's Estella, and tune into my conversation with Ron Lewis on his background, Juneteenth, and the ongoing social justice reform movement. Thank you. Welcome back to Meet You at the Bottom. I'm really excited for this episode, and uh, we're recording this June 14th, so it's about five days before Juneteenth, and, and I'm joined today by Ron Lewis, who I knew uh, pretty well from the University of Illinois, uh, East College of Business, and, you know, Chicago suburb guy, really involved in the Chicago community as well, and, and we're going to talk today about Juneteenth and reflecting, you know, on the holiday and also reflecting on really the ongoing social justice um, reform movement, our bronze and, and myself's, you know, feelings and thoughts for over the last year or so, and, and really the future as well. So I think it's going to be a really good conversation and, and I'm excited to, to have it. Thanks. Uh, thanks a ton, Ron, for doing this. For sure. Thanks for bringing me on, man. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. And, and I think, I think before we delve into Juneteenth, I think it would be helpful for the listeners to, for me to give you a little bit of, of your background, and then you can tell mm-hmm. me if I screwed anything up, but <laughs> Cool. But uh, I mean, you study finance, super involved, University of Illinois in Champaign, um, you know, you were in social organizations, professional organizations, Dean Scroll, which is awarded to the top 10 students and Senior 100, which is the top 100 graduating students. 
Um, and I thought it was really interesting. It, you, you know, big four internship to start, but really shifted gears a little bit. Um, you know, post-college, Teach for America in, in St. Louis, um, which is, you know, not many, uh, probably not many people listening know about St. Louis and the, the city and, and some of the surrounding areas in terms of demographics, in terms of education. Uh, so I think that's a great area. And we can talk a little bit too about it because I'm sure it shaped some of your viewpoints, um, you know, coming from the suburbs and then going to Champaign. Uh, and then I think post that, um, you know, Amplify Property Solutions uh, that you started, you know, last year uh, in 2020, um, which I thought was really, really neat, basically real estate company um, that your employees are formerly incarcerated folks um, and at risk youth um, to renovate and rehab homes across across the city, across Chicago, which um, is really neat. And, and as someone I'm interested in real estate as well, and this is like, you're taking your, you're taking helping community and you're taking your interest in real estate and finance and bridging it all together and, and making an impact. So, so I think that's really neat. Anything I missed in your, in your background, cause I know you've had such good experiences and before I yeah. forget, I mean, you have a master's in, in education. Um, and then right before we went live, you told me you're going to Chicago booth uh, yeah, for an MBA for sure. at, the, at the fall. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I was listening actually to, to Dan's podcast. <laughs> he was kind of talking about, or Dan's interview was kind of talking about was untraditional. And it was really the same thing for me. I think my thing was, and I try not to like mention the company because it's an amazing company, but you know, my freshman year, I had the internship and I just kind of realized like the traditional path just wasn't for me. Um, I started to understand, you know, at first that it was like, you know, this is a, a company that's world renowned. Everyone loves, like people in the college business love, you know, big four accounting. But when I got there, it was like, I don't know, like if, if this is for me. Um, I don't know if like, and, and I think that introspection, like my freshman year was like, hey, this is, this is a company that everyone loves. But even though it was an amazing experience, it kind of didn't feel right. Of course, like when you go across a different path, and I think games is also a perfect example of this. It's like really, making sure that you gain the same skills, right? So mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to go to business school. I knew I wanted to get back into finance eventually, but I need to make sure that even though I'm going down this untraditional path, that I'm still building the skills that can be like competitive when applying to a school or applying to, you know, I'm probably gonna go back into finance um, after school. Um, so for me, it was about really making sure that even though I kind of knew that I kind of want to do something untraditional and go more like purpose focused, a more like impact focus um, with my career, I knew that it was also about building the skills, um, communication skills, analytical financial skills, yeah. so that I could be a competitive applicant against everyone that are, you know, taking these amazing jobs. So that was kind of my mindset behind it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's sparking a question here, and you might not have the answer, but yeah. what, what do you think led you to having this mindset? Is something growing up uh, or you, you know, family influence or just kind of, yeah. you know, as you've had experiences in high school and college, you, you're, yeah. you know, your mindset shifted not to use the word, the definition, mm -hmm. the definition of the yeah. word in the same <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I would say it was really after the internship. Like I said, I loved it. The money was great, but it, it, it still kind of felt like, oh, like, I don't know if this is my thing. Um, when I was making a decision between like going into finance and working at a bank or kind of going to TFA, um, I knew that banks weren't going anywhere. <laughs> like I could always <laughs> hop in. Um, but 
I grew up partly in Chicago. My grandparents and both of my parents were from Chicago. They moved me and my sister out to the western suburbs of Westchester, um, you know, when we were born. And I can only think about my experience of being a kid in a, in a white community. I was the only black kid in most of my classes. Yep. Um, I didn't have a black teacher until college. Um, so for me, it was like, how impactful would it be if all these years that I'm like, I'm so different, like I don't have anyone to relate to me. What if I was that person for these kids? What if I was that mentor, teacher? So for me, once I was kind of sitting down with the recruiter, I knew that um, this was something that I wanted to, you know, be in. Like I said, I, I knew that I loved finance. Um, but like I said, I, I knew that the the window of me being able to relate to to kids that were 12 and 13 <laughs> would probably be fleeting a bit more than like the banks, right? So yeah. Um I decided to kind of go in. Um and it really, it really changed the way that I that I think about life and things like that. So um, for me, it was really about understanding the, the time of impact. And, you know, um, I now after school, I kind of want to get into finance and, and kind of build wealth for myself after like helping others to try to build wealth. Um, but I, I really think it was just wanting to be that person for the kids and for my guys um, that I wish that I kind of had growing up. Yeah, yeah. And that's really helpful. And maybe now is a good time just for, you know, a short, you know, one minute spiel on where you were in St. Louis, the area. Yeah. So St. Louis is a great city. Um, I would say the it's, it's, it's kind of smaller. So it's like you can get to one side of the city to the other side in literally like 10 to 15 minutes, which is also great. Um, <laughs> there's this thing in St. Louis called like the Del Mar Divide. I'm not a like historian, but I just kind of want to speak on that. It's like mm-hmm. where one side of the street you could see is like very like, it looks pretty like probably middle class. So like upper class is good. And then literally across the street, it's like poverty, right? And, and you start to see, I think St. Louis is like, especially within the educational system, it's such a drastic, uh, a drastic difference from like the best of St. Louis and like the worst of St. Louis. Um, I actually, I don't know if I'm gonna use the term worse as, as much as like challenged, like they just kind of have less resources. So I taught in Normandy, um, Normandy, Normandy Middle School, Normandy Schools Collaborative is the name of the district. And if you're from St. Louis and you hear someone say Normandy, like, oh, you taught in Normandy, they would say like, shit, like, <laughs> taught it, like that, that is the, that is the, um, that's the type of, um, I guess, like reputation that Normandy, Normandy schools does. Or yeah, it's, it's like the equivalent of, you know, Inglewood or Lawndale or, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's a place that it just has less resources. Yeah. Um, and if you kind of look into the history of the, the school, um, they were taking over by the state actually for a few years so that they can try to get the rains in there. The grades are falling a bit. So the um, state kind of took over the district to kind of make sure that they were doing what they had to do to get back to a, um, what do they call it? They took their accreditation. Um, so now they have their accreditation now, um, and now they're just, you know, consistently growing and, and, and they're doing a lot better, but that was the district that I taught in. It, it had a lot of, it, it, it was tough for sure. It was tough for sure. Um, but I think the main thing that I saw is, you know, sometimes it gets the reputation and, and people think because of the kids, but when I was teaching there, that you know, was some of the most amazing kids. Um, I think that 
people buy into the reputation at times, people buy into what they're known for. But once I kind of came in and just got to know them for them, the kids for the kids and who they were and understanding and accepting the good and the bad, like they were amazing kids. Um, you know, my students were able to grow within math in like at about like two and a half years. They literally grew two and a half years within a year. Um, so amazing. it just goes to show that they're they're amazing kids. Yeah. But unfortunately, they're just in a district that they don't. It literally wasn't their choice. You know, it wasn't their choice to be brought in that district. Or um, so the district is doing what they need to do to kind of um, turn it around. But mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a tough district. Yeah. That's, that's helpful. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And, and it just, sure. you know, I think all of us, and we'll talk a little bit more later on of how do we gain perspective. And part of it is, okay, I just heard Ron say this. Let me, let me Google Del Mar Divide. Let me Google the area. And, and then, then you start reading more about the history and, and you realize Del Mar Divide, you know, like you said, one side of the street, you know, home values are 300, 400 K the other side it's 50 and 60 K or 30 yeah. to 40 K. And it's such a stark divide. Um, and, and so it is, it is pretty interesting. Uh, shift, shifting the conversation here to, to Juneteenth and, and social justice reform. And let's start with Juneteenth first. And, and for those, you know, that haven't, um, or those who haven't, I guess if you've been in under a rock, maybe, um, uh, you know, Juneteenth, June 19th celebrates, commemorate the, you know, emancipation of all enslaved people in the U.S. Um, started at, you know, end of the, end of the Civil War, very, very important holiday um, in our history and glad you know, people across in corporations now are giving the day off and celebrating it. It's becoming, um, you know, very popular, which is great. Uh, I think I want to I want to ask you this question in a different way of, you know, what what does Juneteenth mean, you know, to you personally, and, and mm. when did you first hear about it? And the latter part I think is very important. Um, and even as we saw a couple of weeks ago with the, the Tulsa massacre, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, growing up, you don't learn about this in school, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, Juneteenth means a lot. I, I think when reflecting on the history um, of Black people and specifically, you know, I, I don't know if we mentioned like Juneteenth was the emancipation of like specifically African-American yeah. and, and Black slaves. Um, I think the Black community really just holds it as like a, a huge celebration. So like June 19th, like there's a lot of things going yeah. on um, to just kind of celebrate it. Although we have a lot of fun during that time, I think sometimes just kind of reflecting it, it really is kind of crazy that it was literally 19, no, it was 1860. 1865. 1865. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's crazy because it, it, it feels like it literally was not that long ago, right? Like it doesn't feel like it was um, years ago. So I think, I think the Black we recognize history, but it's really like a huge celebration um, of, of just with us together, um, being able to, to, to really just be in each other's presence. Um, and it's really awesome. Um, and, I, and I think that what I try to do too is like even, you know, thinking about this conversation is just taking the time to really understand the history. So I think it's something where we celebrate, have a good time together, you know, do a lot of things, but it, it, it really is like, it's interesting to kind of learn about the history and um, just the, the Tulsa massacre, which was in 1921, got that um, mixed up. Um, I think that that is something that, that people, that is, is, is definitely less um, known. 
uh, specifically because there was like a Greenwood district that was like the black Wall Street, mm-hmm. whereas like people of color um, and or specifically black people were able to create this entire district towards um, towards like continuing to use a black dollar and keep it in the black community. Um, but, you know, once people recognized what it was, you know, there was a riot um, in which everything was burned down. Right. And um, it's just once again, kind of interesting to think about um, how that kind of impacted, you know, black people, you know, in America. Right. We're thinking about everything that happened after that, you know, would that like the civil rights movement and would that have even happened? if that 1921 didn't happen, if the Tulsa massacre didn't happen. Um, so you just really put that into perspective. And once again, yes, like that is also something, I don't think the Tulsa massacre is really like celebrated to be completely honest, or there's like a, right. a big thing. But I think as you continue to look at history about all these different things, you have to think about if this did not happen, then what could have happened? Or, or if in 1865, that didn't happen, what would have happened you know so it's just those small things when you think about what specifically happened on Juneteenth or, or the Tulsa massacre that you you can only think about the, the the effects of that specific moment and what would have happened or didn't happen if it wasn't for that yeah that that's really that's really well said and and I'm curious from you know your background as a, as a former educator and and you do a good job of just talking to folks like myself as well and, and giving us more perspective um, how, how do you think we bridge some of that knowledge gap that you were referring to earlier, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, on, on some of the key events and specifically key events for Black Americans historically that non-Black Americans like myself might not know about or not, or not aware about, or we find out too late. Um, and, and it's never too late, but we find out, you know, well past our time and when we should have learned this, learned this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great question. I think the first thing is is to do your own research. I think it's a different conversation when you go to someone black to ask about, you know, Juneteenth or the 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 Tulsa massacre when you haven't done your own research, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a certain conversation that happens. And it, it, I think it's not just black people, but several people are of anything in history of, you know, Asian Americans or literally anything. There's a certain level of understanding that you need to have before in and like going into a conversation, asking questions, right? Right. So no one should come up to me and say like, hey, like what happened on Juneteenth? Like that is definitely Googleable. <laughs> like yeah. you could definitely get on Google and figure out what it is. That That's a conversation I'm not willing to have. Right. But as you're coming to me and saying, hey, this is what it is. And these are my thoughts. Like, what do you think about that? That shows me that you've already done your own research. And from that research, you've done questions. Or, or, or you have questions. I think that's a different conversation. Um, so it really just comes from having that interest, like, you know, what you're doing, right? You don't have to do this, right? You didn't have to specifically make this, you know, um, talk or, or this podcast about what it means, right? You did the time to seek information, understand what it was to have a certain conversation, a different conversation. So I really think that it, it starts with, curriculum. I think you also have to understand that the people that made the curriculum, clearly their culture <laughs> is going to be heavily embedded in it, right? So yeah. thinking about how do we make a, a diverse curriculum with everyone at the table, right? So it has a, a, a 
a better holistic view of what, what history really looks like. Yeah. Like yeah. we shouldn't just, yeah. No, so, I, I, I completely agree. And, and I think this is something that I want, I've spent more time on trying to understand how curriculums are developed. Um, and it's, I mean, it's by district by district, you know, you know, Westchester, Chicago suburb curriculum is very different than Naperville, which is very different than Northbrook. Uh, but then there's, you know, take it up, there's state guidelines too. So at what, what point do you, at what level are you intersecting and bringing more diverse uh, backgrounds? Uh, is it from the state or is it from bottom up? And it's just, there's no right answer. Um, yeah. And it's just cool that, you know, you're spent two years at TFA teaching. And so from a teacher's perspective, yeah. and then also someone yeah. who studied business too, it's interesting to hear yeah. your thoughts on this. Yeah, honestly, I think I would, be stupid if I had the right answer <laughs> in like two years in TFA. Like I have no idea of like what, what level it should start. Um, nor am I an expert of like understanding the educational system with two years in Teach for America. Uh, but so to answer your question, I really don't have the answer. I don't know what level it should start. I mean, it sounds great to say, yes, yeah, let's start at the federal right. level or, but realistically you have to think about like, so what does it really look like to take everything out of the curriculum and then start it again, right? Yeah. I think it's gonna, it's gonna have to take a lot of heads of, of districts, um, teachers that have been doing this for 10 and 15 years to see how the cur curriculum has developed over the years to even think about like, so these are the changes from 10 years ago to now. Like, what does it look like for the next 10 years? What does it look like for the next 15 years? So administration, um, teachers, you know, potentially even students, you know, to see how things have developed. So I don't really have the answer. I, I would always say that the grassroots kind of movement is important of making sure that all stakeholders are involved. Um, but I don't, I don't really have an yeah. answer for that. Mm. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how, how it all transpires. And I'm sure, you know, every area will, will go about it differently. Uh, I want to shift the conversation a little bit. And, and you talked about grassroots movements. Um, you know, I always view you as someone who's, you know, speaks your mind very eloquently. Um, you have a lot of people that support you in multiple different ways and um, believe and like, you know, you'll, you're a leader to them. I mean, I think that's part of one, the type of school we went to and you're a leader in campus, but also, um, you know, in social issues or personal issues too. And, and someone that people can go to, to, you know, as a reliable and friend and shoulder to lean on. Um, kind of an open, uh, you know, ended question here. And, and we don't need to, you know, relitigate um, all of the social justice. I know everyone's talking about it, um, but I, I want to keep this more personal. And, and, and I, I'm just curious, how, how do you feel? Um, you know, it's been a year plus now, um, almost 13 months uh, since George Floyd's uh, murder. Uh, you know, we've had a year of, of um, you know, protests, talk, talks about reform, some reform, you know, it's ongoing conversations. Uh, just how do you feel? That's, that's my question to you. And, yeah. you know, is there a weight on your shoulders and, and how are you doing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I think a year ago when everything happened, it, it seemed like I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Like there was a lot of like protests going on, marches, and I felt like I didn't want to go out there you know, to be completely honest, like I'm a 6'2 black guy. Like, you know, <laughs> I've saw, I've, I've seen videos. I understand that like, if anything happens, I'll probably be probably one of the first ones that people try to, you know, I, I try to keep myself out of that. 
it, it was it was weird that like it's like I felt like I wanted to be a part of it I felt like it was like my obligation to kind of be there with the people that kind of marched but at the same time I didn't want to put myself in danger so I went to one um and it was it was it was great but I think if I can put last year and the whole experience in one word it was just draining mm -hmm. um draining because I mean you hear people say like hey like but he was on drugs when it happened hey it was and it so I think it was just it, it was just really draining it was just a really draining time to 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 like feel like it's kind of normalized you know because I I think honestly that happens all the time yeah. right yeah and it's not it's not really a, a like a battle against like it is not really a battle against like I don't know I think the main thing I'm trying to say is like it happens often not just like with police but just like people getting killed mm -hmm. um and it's just like I I personally try not to put so much energy towards it because it's just like what what happened like it literally is going to happen every time so then the argument becomes well if you really care why didn't you do it when this happened or when this happened when this happened um that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting thought there and sorry yeah. to cut you cut you off because mm -hmm. that's yeah that's a good point um you know when you're sharing stuff on social media and you know it's certain you're getting there's certain events that get a little bit more um mm -hmm you know, popularize, and, but there's also mm -hmm. so many other times, like you said, it happens, I guess, how are you diminishing value or is it, yeah. or is the conversation, any, yeah. any sharing, any conversation about this as a whole is good, even if yeah. it's about 10% of what's occurring yeah. and you're missing 90%. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the real thing is it was difficult for me to separate media social media, current events, what's on the news from my own mental health, my own, like, what do I want to do, right? You know, I felt like as a leader, sometimes it's like, you have to be on the front lines. You have to, you know, care. You have to do all these things, make all these posts. But my mental health is like, I don't feel like it. Like, I literally cannot, you know, around that time, I was also trying to get stuff together for business school. So it's like, I just literally can't. Right. And I think I, I think that that's sometimes when I've talked to my friends, that's the struggle that they go through, too. It's like socially wise, you want to be that person that's posting every day, trying to hold people accountable, trying to do all these things. But there's also this mental health of also being black at times. It's like, damn, why do I feel this pressure to speak up? Yeah. You know, why is it why is it me? And I also don't feel like telling someone else to speak up. You know, I just want to be by myself. And I think that that's kind of how I felt, um, you know, working. I just started a new job at the time. Well, no, that was 2020. So, um, but just kind of doing a, doing a lot of stuff. Um, I was starting my company at the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I started my real estate company around that time. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. So I think that that's how I felt at the time. And now, you know, it's difficult. Once again, it, it's hard for me to focus on it because I, I try to protect my mental space, right? I don't mm -hmm. like seeing and feeling scenarios in which I feel like I can't do anything about it. Um, I feel really helpless, you know, when, when I like put too much 
thought into what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, no matter if I'm out there protesting, no matter if I'm not, like, it's not like what I've done is going to make a difference in the way that that video happened or in the way that, you know, any like some, someone's, you know, internal viewing of someone else just because, you know, yeah. black, black and not white. Yeah. It's like what you exactly. do is not going to impact that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, yeah, I've definitely heard that and read that and, and many people have same share a similar sentiment. Um, and, and that's why I put a question in the outline of, I guess, what do you expect um, from folks? Cause you know, I, I think it's the majority of people are allies, but mm. of those allies, how many are, are advocates? How many are putting their self in the line like yourself, whereas like, you, you know, you're talking about your mental health and, and that weight on your shoulders. How many of yeah. non-Black allies are actually advocates and, and going out there? And, and I'm curious from your perspective of what, um, you know, like what, what can we all do? Um, you know, what are, what are not, I don't want to use the word expectations, but, but like you said, you know, you don't need to be telling me to post something or, or mm -hmm. having a conversation. Like, should that be something natural? Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully in the last year, maybe that is, I don't know, I'm curious kind of what your, what your thoughts are here. I'm, yeah. I'm at a loss of words too on how to ask yeah. the question. Yeah, it's, it's a tough conversation to have, but I think, I think it's trying to have the conversation, ask the right questions. Um, for me, it's just building a platform, you know, to have the conversation. You know, um, there is, and I'm forgetting the name and I really want to look it up, but one of my friends went to Northwestern. Um, he used to work with, he created this environment in which um, a lot of black men, and a lot of white men come together and talk about these issues, right? Mm -hmm. And when you first start, it's like, oh shit, I don't want to say this to offend them, or I don't want to say this to offend them. But it's probably, it was probably, it's probably one of the most powerful spaces that I've been a part of, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, what's happening with Israel and Palestine. We talk about George Floyd. We talk about all these things. And I think what it does is it normalizes being able to ask the questions that you want to ask without feeling the need to offend anyone, yeah. right? Because I know in that space that I trust the guys that are on that call. I know their intentions behind their questions. So even if they say something that's like, okay, I don't agree, um, I understand that it's because of your ignorance and, and, and your ignorance of the topic or subject or, you know, you don't know as much more than, you know, you trying to be offensive. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, that that's... Go ahead. No, I was saying that. I, I think that's been a powerful part. But, I mean, in terms of being allies specifically, um, it's just doing the, re like, doing the research, um, mm -hmm. being able to understand it on your own. Um, I think that pressure that I feel sometimes is like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? I think that is what allies should feel. Allies like, hey, I stand with you. You know, I'm doing my research. I'm doing X, Y, Z. And, and like trying to understand where you can use, you know, sometimes your privilege to make the, 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 the platform, make it, make it known. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of the role of allies. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought the word up privilege because um, I think all of us have privilege. Um, I think the sure. first step is, understanding that we do have privilege. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I would be honest, I have to be honest here. Like, you know, 
my privilege is different than your privilege. Um, And my privilege is different than someone who's white, but I still have probably more privilege, uh, unfortunately, than someone that's black. And it's me understanding that and and where that applies Um, to your your conversations. So what you were saying earlier, too, I I did this um, as part of this program. I'm I'm a a member of Chicago Youth Centers uh, and this program they partnered with called Uncomfortable Conversations. So four months um, from January and through April, two hours. And it was just like you described, you're in a room that you, folks from the community, South side, Lawndale, West, you know, across Chicago. And you're having, you're talking about these images, you're talking about these events. Um, and it was really, really interesting. And you talk about your backgrounds and everyone is different. And so, so then you, you have people from the community and then you have people from Northbrook or Deerfield mm-hmm. um, who, who like grew up with or like Winnetka or there's probably like no one that was not even exactly. n- not black, but no one that wasn't not white. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think there's a lot of value to, you know, gaining perspective that way and, and being able to, in a safe space, say something without being afraid that, you know, you could get canceled or you could, you know, you could hurt someone's feeling. Cause I think that's how you can have conversation. It's nice. Like me and you, you know, we're friends, mm-hmm. so we can have a conversation exactly. like this, but you and, you know, XYZ person on Wacker drive, like probably can't. Um, yeah. And so it's nice to be put in a room uh, where that happens. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I guess um, kind of putting a bow on this specific topic, um, hard to, hard to predict the future, obviously. Um, and, and I think, you know, you're going to booth too, will help you, you know, here, meet some more people as well, but where do you, where do you kind of see in your mindset, um, uh, you know, all of this energy, um, you know, behind, you know, let's, let's make some change. Um, like what do you hope that comes out of it uh, more so than where do you see, what do you hope, you know, say two years from now or five years from now or whatever? Yeah. I mean, that's a really hard question um, because you never really know when it comes to movements, mm-hmm. right? You never really know when it comes to these grassroots of like, this is popular now versus like, what is going to be, popular in a year or two um you know i hope that there's you know more i think there has no more legislation passed um i'm not completely sure um yeah in terms of just like making it stick i think that sometimes with like liberal slash dem sometimes like we're really great at like building this movement like really great at doing it but it's like okay what are we doing behind the scenes to make sure this continues like it's great that it's viral right now yeah. Right. I think we're really great at and I don't I don't know, you know, your political whatever, but I think most of the people that are behind, you know, making sure that we are trying to hold people accountable are from the Democratic um, Party. And I think that I just hope that there can be more conversations in which things in which we have more people than just one specific political political group. Yeah. One specific race, one specific because at the end of the day, nothing is really going to be changed about either police brutality, the way that we treat each other, or, or what happened in the court system without people in the court system and police officers at the table and people and Black people at the table to say, and this is something that we do, I really want to remember the name, but this is something we do at um, the meetings that we have. It's like, before we have this conversation, there needs to be specific truths, hard truths that we need to have about this conversation. You know, whether it be where 
this particular person was wrong or do we believe that at this age someone should be killed based on it's, it's just like those normal questions right if we can agree on norms of the conversation or facts that we can all agree with then we start to have the conversation so what i hope is that it's it's less i want to say like polarizing of like okay if you agree that there was wrong then you're against police officers yeah or if you are with george floyd then you hate them or if you if you're saying like hey my father's a cop because my father's a cop right yeah if you say your father's a cop that means you hate what everything happened right and i think the conversation is so like it has to be you're either here or here you can't be in the middle to say hey i love like i i support like our cops but at the same time this particular instance was wrong or like i agree with like this thing that happened with george floyd was wrong but that doesn't mean that everyone that is wears a badge is is a a horrible person And and that's like i said it has to come with hard hard truths right um yeah that yeah, and I, I completely agree, and I think that's a great way to end that. And, and it, for me personally, you know, I, I think education is, is a big thing. And I'm not talking just education K through 12. Like I, as a 27-year-old, I continuously have to continue to get educated, and whether I seek it out or it comes to me. And I think having that for all ages, um, for all issues, not just this, um, is important. But before we go to a quick break, I, I do want to ask you, and it's not in the, in the outline, I, I want you to give me, like, the – you know, short business pitch on Amplify, Amplify Property Solutions, your real estate company. Um, Cause you're going to full-time MBA now. So I'm curious, like what's going to happen to your company? What's the goals? Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, you're, question. you're making thousands, <laughs> of, thousands of dollars every month. We have rehabbing homes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just give you a big uh, brief background. Amplify Property Solutions is a interior demolition company. We also do clean out services in which we help developers and owners developers and owners across Chicago build their dream home, right? So when you think about the process of potentially buying a home and wanting to remodel it, right? There's some people that might do a full gut, right? And what that means is you take everything out, drywalls, everything, and then you start building everything up to what exactly you want it to look. There's a gap between developers and owners wanting to get this stuff done and the go-tos who are usually carpenters that they ask to, hey, can you, can you demo everything, right? Carpenters like literally have to go to school, like get like um, develop their skills. So they don't want to do like the demo of just literally knocking everything out or cleaning all the debris when they first um, build a property. So we've been able to create a gap between the the real estate market um, to help people. And, it, and it's not something where it, it takes a lot to do. It's not like you have to be so skilled where you need to go to school, but we do have certification of our guys um, our guys who went through specific training to understand what they're doing. So what we really do is just kind of go in, we, we talk with the client, we make sure that we understand what they're looking for and, and we kind of go out and do it. So um, how we kind of build our brand is understanding that it, there's also a purpose behind it, right? So you can hire anybody to, to kind of go in and, and tear everything out um, or clean out something. Um, but what we do is we take the people that need those chances the most, right? So our guys are really learning about building wealth. They want to get their own property in, you know, three to five years. So we try to, like you said, we, we work with um, um, formerly incarcerated men and, as well as at-risk youth to kind of teach them and introduce them to people that look like them and people that might not look like them to learn their stories, 
understand how they got there. And they're just kind of getting in at the bottom with the hopes that they can eventually own their own thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. Uh, and, and I mean, we could have a whole podcast on this, like <laughs> how the hell did you learn about, you know, demolitions? I and mean, this was not in our yeah. finance classes, Ron. It was not, <laughs> <laughs> but man, yeah, it, it, it was a tough process for sure. Um, you know, we worked with a mid-sized um, developer, Miracle Development, who's been a great help mm -hmm. um, to kind of build the, the company, understand what we have to do. Um, and like I said, it, it, it definitely had its ups and downs, but, you know, fortunately, we've been able to keep it running for, for a year and you know, we hope that it's two and five and 10. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's been a great opportunity. I think the guys are really awesome. And, you know, we also have to understand that if the goal is to build wealth, if, if some of our guys don't stay with us and they get a full-time job with, with benefits and all those things, that's also a win. Um, so yeah. it's, it's really about balancing. Of course, we want to be profitable with under, also, also understanding the bigger purpose of like, these guys are really turning their lives around. And, um, like I said, it's just really awesome. And yeah. then I want to answer your last question of what happens after. So I built a company. I don't want to go too much into it because it's kind of confusing. So I was hired by an education startup. Um, and it was kind of their group of guys that they, that they have called Amplify. Mm -hmm. Um, and the education startup is called the Academy Group. So they have a, a, a subsidiary of their company called Amplify. And they were working with formerly incarcerated men and at-risk youth to kind of get them back into the workforce. So it was initially, hey, we're coming in, we're teaching you soft skills, how to invest in the market, how to do this interview, like literally a whole uh, three-month thing. Um, and then we kind of work with different companies to give you a job. So then we kind of said, why don't we just build our own, right? So... I kind of piloted a lot of different startup ideas and um, we stuck with the, the, the real estate. So after I leave, uh, I have a few co-founders who've also built the company and then the parent company is going to take it over okay. as well. Got it. So it's in, it's in safe hands for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, do you feel, do you feel uh, stronger um, after all the demo? I see your, I know your, your social media, you're up there. Yeah. It's a lot of hard yeah, work. So Luckily, I don't like when we started the company, I had to like do it with them and like put on everything. But luckily, like now I, I probably stopped doing it with them probably in January. So I only had like two months where I actually had to, you know, get a hard hat in. So uh, luckily, we kind of scaled enough. So now we have project managers. I don't have to get in there. Um, so I do feel a little bit stronger. <laughs> luckily, I don't have to do it every day. Um, but bigger than that you know i'm just proud of my guys and, and proud of you know the work that they've been able to do the, the last seven eight it's, it's almost a year now so yeah. maybe like nine to ten months that's awesome man that that's great to hear and, and excited to see the continued trajectory and growth of, of that uh, let's take a quick break this has been a really good good conversation thought-provoking um and serious and not serious so it's always <laughs> yeah. some of those tough tough conversations are, are hard tough. to have so i'm happy i'm happy we're doing it um, and then we'll come back and, you know, it's always great to ha have a podcast episode with a fellow podcaster. So we'll come back and talk to you about your podcast. I'm going to steal all your marketing techniques. We'll get all the there details. Um, so we'll be right back, fellas. And we're back. Uh, Ron is too nice. And he told me I screwed up here. 
I forgot to ask him <laughs> what he's drinking. The whole premise of Meet You at the Bottom is having conversations, <laughs> uh, easy ones and tough ones over alcohol. Uh, yeah. And so, so what are you at, Ron? I mean, and you haven't taken a sip this whole time. So now this. Yeah, that's because you don't have your drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah. Like, okay. For the, for the listeners, <laughs> I'm unfortunately in the office today. We had interns start today in person. So we had some training to show up to, but I, I'm mentally drinking. I'm just, you know, I'm going to drink <laughs> via, via you, um, okay. what, what you got. And, and, you know, we got 15, 20 minutes left. So you got to be pounding a couple beers at least. I'm already halfway through. So we're good. So <laughs> I brought out the best beer of all time. Okay. Oh my God. You can't go wrong with the Stella. Stella. Right. Let, let me, let me snip a picture of you. This is great. All right. <laughs> Smooth. Okay. This is smooth beer. You, you, you can't go wrong, man. You can't go wrong with the Stellas. Um, I would say Modelo's is a, is a, is a good second for me. I like Modelo's. Um, but Friday night, so I'm out with some, with some buddies. I'm going, I'm going for a Stella. How many, how many Stellas can you like just drink in a Friday night? You like, <sighs> all right. So my method to the madness when I drink is like, I always like I'll drink and then I'll get like water, drink water, drink water because it's a marathon, not a sprint. So there's a lot of sprinters, right? It's like you're going shot, shot, shots. But like I wouldn't take a shot or I wouldn't take a beer without drinking water. So I can be like, I'm too big. I think this is how I think about it. I'm too big to like get drunk, drunk, because like it'll if I do that, it'll literally ruin the night of like two to three people. Because it's like if I'm like all over here, I'm like 200 pounds. It's like everyone's six, screwed six, like two, the party yeah. screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so um i think without without um without water maybe like four to five nice but that's, that's with good water like i'm good i'm good and, to go the whole night <laughs> and and you like Stella so much you're not changing your drink if Stella's at serving serving at that bar or club you're at you're just sticking to if you're doing beer you're sticking to Stella yeah, I'm I'm a type of person where it's like I don't need to try new stuff. I don't need the oh you have an IPA. Okay, that's great. I'm gonna stick to my Stella. I love so that. So I'm a Stella guy through and through. If they don't have Stella, I'm going Modelo. And that's all that's all she wrote. That's great. That's great, man. All right. Well, we'll have to do we'll get we'll get in person and, and we'll have some Stellas and yeah. And to your comment on the, mar- the Yeah, cheers. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. Um and, and you taking the time here. Uh for the marathon sprint sprint comment. My, I get it. It's a marathon. My only argument is <laughs> marathoners. If you look at them, it looks like they're sprinting. They're not, they're not jogging. <laughs> that's all I got to say. And, and, and I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of being a marathoner at the park. Right. You don't know that I'm like, after my drink going and getting some water, it's really about like oh. what, what, you know, like, so I'm not probably drinking the water. I'm like, okay, like, cool. Let me go over here. Riley Creek, drink my water. And then I'm back. There you go. So I, it does look like I'm sprinting. Right, ready, ready to talk to the ladies at the bar. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a girl right now, so not Oh, anymore. okay. All right, all right. This is the good. Uh, I I kind of purposely did that right there so we could transition to the wood talks. Um, there you go. Because uh, I'm really, one, it's awesome to talk to someone on the podcast, but two, like I've listened to a couple episodes. It's really fun conversations, just like this, yeah. you and you and your buddies. And, um, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe give the – the not so businessy, but the pitch of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, what, what the wood sure. talks is where listeners can listen to it. Um, Cause I'm sure some folks will, will tune in afterward afterwards. For sure. Yeah. So the wood is really a conversation that's, that's for black men, but a lot of people can kind of listen in as well. Cause we throw a lot of gems out, but it's really that we just talk about relationships and just normalize the conversation. 
Um, I think there's, when I, when I started out, I, I was single. So it wasn't like, it's for just like people that, you know, are in relationships, but it's really just a platform. And we just kind of normalize these conversations about relationships. I think, especially with men in general, it's like, I don't think that like anyone kind of gets together and talk about like these like <laughs> topics, right? And I think that is really weird sometimes to just like, if a guy is really looking to like, okay, maybe get in a relationship or maybe have, it's like, it's very weird for a guy to ask you about a relationship. Like, yeah. where do you do it? Do you do it at a bar? Do you do it like, you know? So for me, I just wanted to create that space where, you know, it's just normal. Like we, we think of normal topics. We think about like, last week so I have kind of slowed down with like posting because with school and everything I'm um, mm -hmm. ramping up but last week we just kind of talked about um the perception of relationships you know and if there wasn't societal pressure to be a certain way in a relationship do you think we would act differently yeah. right so it's just those really like off the cuff conversations I only post snippets on social media so we could like talk about everything more in depth but um you know it was just a really great way to just kind of like think about like, I think we all have questions about relationships that sometimes we're too scared to ask. You're like, oh shit, like who do I go to? So we just kind of made a space where we can all just kind of talk um, off the cuff about relationships, give advice and, and just kind of build. Yeah, no, that that's that's awesome. It, it's such a unique concept and, and something, you know, I, I, I maybe there is there are other shows like this, but I didn't see anything, um, which is really neat. And, and I think that's a great point of like, I mean, you know, I probably have a couple, you know, about two to three guy friends max that we talk about, you know, our relationships and, you know, pros and cons are like, oh man, we screwed out this, this one night or like should have done this or, you know, yeah. and it's like, even, yeah. even little things are like, oh, something dumb at dinner, you know, random stuff. Um, yeah. But it, it is fun to see that. How, uh, like the, all your buddies on it, um, did it how did it just come about? Like you, you came up with this idea and then you reached out to some few folks. Yeah, I came up, I came up with the idea. Um, excuse me. Um, so I came up with the idea and I just kind of reached out. I made a post on Instagram and said like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about starting. Um, if you're interested, let me know. And then from that people reached out, um, and said like, Hey, like I, I'd be down. I think at most we probably had like 16, 16 people on. We've done one with women and invited women on to kind of give perspective. Um, now we're we're around about six ish um, consistently, um, in which we just kind of caught, um, you know, catch up, talk about, you know, these small things. So that's how it happened. I love that. Do do you set the outline typically of like, hey, these are some of the topics, or you just let it free for all a little bit? Yeah. So when I started, it was just me kind of thinking, like watching videos and, and trying to do the research. So I um, kind of built it, but you know, as we continue to progress, it's like during a conversation, we are like, ah, like this is such a good topic, but we don't want to bear off. So yeah, we kind of do it collectively now, just kind of after knowing each other and, and having the questions, having the questions. So that's awesome. Do you, do you have a favorite yeah. episode? I get asked this all the time. I don't really have a favorite, Man. but yeah, I like, I like our thing because you have like one person. So I, I know yeah. that it feels like, Hey, like if I pick this one person, it feels like everyone else sucks. Um, <laughs> um and you guys yeah you guys it feels like you guys are just at a dinner having a conversation yeah i mean i have so many things i'm sitting on i should probably post them um yeah sorry to give you work yeah i can't this. i can't pick one i can't i can't pick one there i think there was like a one about um 
Yeah, no, I can't pick one. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's there's fair. so many that I want, but I, I can't pick one specifically. I know you were uh, to the listeners. You know, Ron was telling me before that he's he's been sitting on some content. Uh, <laughs> he's getting busy with schools ramp, about to ramp up, and yeah. And I was gonna ask you, you know, you did a like when I saw the post, like it was great, like just little snippet audio and video clips, and mm-hmm. you're you're like becoming a social media guru or something. Um, yeah any, any advice you got for me because i'm just i'll be honest i'm lazy as hell when it comes to that yeah no me too like seriously <laughs> you're doing way you're doing way more than i um just doing it simple man like the the i use canva to uh, make the videos yeah um there's like if you google like video snips or video whatever you can put the whole video in there and trim it like it, it probably only takes like 10 minutes or 10, 15 minutes to like do the content. Now I've just kind of been focusing on, um, I mean, now I've just been focusing on like doing like, like a certain, what do they call like reels and stuff reels. like that. So that's kind of been my main yeah. focus. We've had like one that's gotten like, you know, a lot of likes, probably like three, 4,000, 5,000 people oh, wow. liked it. And it was literally just on like, so I try to understand like, okay, reels are really in and like the way that you like, you know, like it and all that stuff. Like, you know, people like that a lot. Um, yeah. Also things that you have to swipe because it like, if it's like one main thing and then you swipe. So like, I've been trying to understand the things that, um, that my audience likes. Um, yeah. Hashtags. So that's yeah, another thing. I, I've been trying to learn that too. Like, yeah. you all have to, af- after when I post this, you'll have to send me what hashtags I should hashtag. Yeah. Uh, Cause you gotta, yeah. that's, there's just so many out there. Yeah, man. Like I used to have like one on my phone that I would copy and paste, but I deleted it on accident. So I haven't oh, even used the hashtags like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's really like, I think it's something that you have to be passionate about. Um, it has to be something that, that you really enjoy. Um, I heard one one person say, or like a few people say, like anybody can kind of start a company, right? But if you really don't love the company, then it's not going to win, right? It's not yeah. it's not going to do well because you really just don't want to do it. So it has to be something, and and even even though I'm I haven't really been posting clips and stuff because I've been busy, like I still keep up with the guys. Like we still talk. We're still having our meetings. I just haven't posted it. Um, yeah. So. I would just say my advice would just be start something that you really like. Um, try to understand your audience, see which ones get the most likes yeah. versus not likes and just keep creating content of what the people like. So yeah, totally. I'm also not an expert. So, Hey, it's all right. Any, any advice is a, uh, is good advice. And, and I think, you know, your, your podcast too is great. And there's like a theme in, in the, a lot of the guests on my show thus far is like a lot of people are, are either content creators or um you know they're, they're sharers or, or a lot of big readers um and, and so this is you're kind of a jack of all trades in that sense but it is it is cool to create share and and learn from each other and so uh, i hope everyone listening in is gonna is gonna follow you on social media wait for the next one you you uh you post and uh yeah grab a couple stellas and then l- listen into it Please. that's, that's no. the way just stellas <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no ipas yeah. and then no <laughs> and then another thing i know um i kind of want to share and we talked about earlier is, is the name mm-hmm. um so if you look so there's a, a blast a, a black classic film called the wood right 
And in the wood, it's basically about these um, friends that kind of grow throughout their whole lives. Um, they talk about their relationship with women. So they're like on the oh. playground when they're young, they're in high school and they have their first prom. And then at the end, you know, a guy is getting married, right? So it's literally them exploring the whole spectrum of being with women and relationships throughout their whole lives. And I kind of wanted the wood to kind of also be like that, where we discuss high school, college, now, marriage, awesome. and all those things. So that's where the wood come from. That's, that's like the first post that I made explaining it. That's awesome, man. And, and yeah. we'll, uh, we'll definitely, I'll put a link in, uh, in the bio uh, to that so people can like easily click in. Uh, this is great. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, ended on a little bit of a higher note, but I think all, yeah. everything we talked about is good. Um, hopefully, I tried my best to eloquently, you know, speak yeah. about some of these topics like you are and ask you the, the right questions. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts for the listeners or takeaways before we go to, you know, the bold prediction question? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I really, I really enjoyed this podcast specifically in, in, in like everything you're doing, like even with the last one, because I think it's important to ask those questions and also not be afraid to screw up sometimes. Like that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's okay to like, you know, you really want to know. So you say something wrong. And it's like, at that point, like I'll correct you. Or at that point, I'll say like, Hey, like, I know that you said this, um, but this is actually what it was like. Cause I know we talked about you know, Juneteenth, it was like, okay, slaves. It's like, no, specifically with African-Americans, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's okay to kind of have those conversations. I know after, after I reflect and hear it, I might think about something like, damn, I should have said like specifically police brutality. I should have said specific, but it's okay to like have these conversations where it's not perfect, right? Because at the end of the day, like our goal is for not, our goal is not for the conversation that we're having is to be perfect. It's literally just to start having the conversation, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't really matter about, oh, shit, I wish I asked this or I wish I, no, we, we had the conversation. It's better than not having one at all. And I'm sure the next conversation will get better. So, yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I agree with you. I mean, every one of these episodes, I'm sure when I go back and I'll edit this, and yeah. I'm like, oh, we should have talked about this or we should have spent some more time on privilege. Yeah. Or like, that's what like, yeah, I'm thinking exactly. about right now. And, yeah. and it's like, hey, that's all right. You know, it's, this exactly. is just, we're having a good conversation. This will spark, hopefully the listeners spark some thoughts and do some more research. And I'm sure tonight, you know, I'll get down a pathway in something else like the Del Mar divide or where you taught in, in St. Yeah. Louis, um, yeah. which will be really, really interesting and, and thought provoking for myself too. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this is, you know, not a topics. A lot of people are comfortable coming on a podcast that's, you know, goes live um mm -hmm. to the world and so that one hats off to that and and uh, and most importantly thanks for keeping me honest about the beer i didn't even ask you about it at the beginning because i was in the i'm in the office my mindset's <laughs> different and i'm yeah, glad you i let you get through the first half i let you get through the first half i was like we have to start it this way <laughs> yeah we got we got to be boozing that's i like it i love it a lot um yeah. as, as we wrap up here i ask every single guest this and uh, i'm curious what your bold prediction is uh, for the next, you know, in the next year, 18 months, what do you think is going to happen in, in the world? Um, you know, non-topic related, you can keep it light, you can keep it serious. It's all up to you. You know, that's a good one. What do I think? What do I think? I'm interested to figure out where crypto is going. Yeah. I'm really interested because, you know, I've always, I've always felt like 
it, it, it's difficult to get in because it, it's uncentralized and I understand that. I, I want to do more research on it myself. Um, but I, I just think like, for me, it's, it's hard for me to put my money in. And when I lose, I can't blame anybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think like I always want to have somebody to blame, whether it either be the markets, whether it be, you know, the CEO, yeah. or, but it's like to be able to lose your money and not be able to blame anyone. Like, that's why I feel like everyone is trying to say something with Elon. Right. Um, I don't know the prediction. I don't know if it's going to be more popular or not. Um, yeah. It looks like it's, it's going towards a trend of like people are adopting it as the currency. I wonder if there's going to be more currencies or less currencies that are accepted based on the um, um, the the variability of like how the prices are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think what I think in crypto is like people are going to start because I think people anyone can make a cryptocurrency, right? I think people are going to probably start shifting after people are seeing like, okay, this one is doing really well, versus like this one kind of sucks, versus this one. I think I think it'll eventually get more centralized. Of course, it's I like, like uncentralized, that. but I think that like it's going to get more. Okay, like we're only going to do these three. We're only going to do these four because I think that's what's happening with you know SPACs being like okay, everybody's doing it. Versus like the SEC is like nope, it has to be like this and like yeah. start doing more things. I'm interested to see what happens, but I think yeah, I just no, think that someone good. is gonna people are gonna have or need someone to blame. You know? Yeah, there's all there are always yeah, you can't just keep blaming the macroeconomic trends. Um yeah, that's just too too vague, too vague. Human yeah. nature needs someone to point to. Um yeah. you can you can blame me if there's anything. <laughs> if, if Bitcoin all of a sudden goes to like 20k yeah. and ethers at 500 bucks, exactly. you'd say it's my fault. Um exactly. I like that. We'll that's some it. good, that's some good thoughts. Uh thought, you know, for folks to think about a little bit too. My um my bold prediction for this episode. It has nothing to do with business or finance. And, and I do think he is, you know, one or two greatest, you know, I don't want to, you know, we don't have to get into the MJ LeBron debate, but he's number one or number two um, at the end of the day, LeBron James is, but I don't think he wins another championship. Uh, I think he's done. I, I just don't, I That's just don't one. see it. I don't uh, agree. And, yeah, I figured you did. That's why I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I say this with Ron, get his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree. I think, I think that he knows that his legacy will be tainted if he doesn't get another one. I think that he has enough pull and power that he can get anyone on his team that he wants to be mm -hmm. able to build one more team before he calls it quits. Yeah, I, it, I, yeah, I just. It's tough, man. Because if LeBron says come to LA, who is gonna say no? I, yeah, you're right. I just think the, yeah, they need to they need to do another rebuild. Um, it doesn't the yeah. team just looked horrific without Anthony Davis. And and LeBron didn't look good in some of those games, yet he carried the entire team. I don't even know how he physically yeah. can still do that, play so well. Mm -hmm. Um, it just he just needs more pieces, and I, I hope they give it to him. Um, it would be fun to see him win one. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't yeah, see it. That's a good one. But I, yeah. I'm like probably in the minority. I'm sure I'm gonna get a bunch of texts when this goes live and be like, "How the hell did you say that? Like, you don't know anything about this." Probably don't. So I have another bold prediction. Okay, here we go. So I've been I've been in a boxing recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Shakur Stevenson, and look him up. Okay, will 
I think he might go higher than 50 and 0. Just off the way that he's been winning. Wow. And just off the way that like like if you look at his story and like how much time like he's put in, I I think I think that he might be one of the one of the best in the next few years. 100%. And and one he's going to be at that rate going to be one of the best ever to ever yeah. step into a ring and all right. And he's so young. Yeah, he's yeah, he's so young. And it's like I saw recently that like, the comparison between like where Flo was at at his age versus like where he was at and like Flo was a little bit better. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, you know, I still think that he has what it takes. I I, I think he has what it takes. I do. That that's amazing. Yeah, 23 years old, New York, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. that, I like I like that prediction to end on here because uh, everyone's list, everyone listening is definitely going to look him up and, and then uh, and fifteen. Okay, that's good enough. That's bold, yeah. but I like it. I like it. Well, Ron, appreciate you taking time. I know doing this on a Monday, so I'm sure you have a lot of other things to do today and the rest of the a few week. Um, <laughs> so appreciate uh, appreciate it, man. It's, it's good to see you, and, and we'll have to catch up in person. For sure, man. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening in. And until next week, meet you at the bottom.